I just feel like we're, we're told that there's basically one pathway for us when we graduate school and it's either go to university or, you know, jump straight into the workforce and find that one job that you love and then you're going to do it until you retire. And that's just not the case anymore. I feel like there's a lot of value in spending time alone um, and being able to sit in your feelings and, and how you are. What is life without pushing the boundaries a little bit and pushing yourself to see the best version of you. So, Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Beautiful yay types. It's been a long time coming, but I've been working away on getting some awesome jobs into the mix. And this episode is the first to kick us off with the fabulous Emma Lewis, an undercover cop or covert cop, as you will learn is the correct terminology, who also has an amazing side hustle called Canvassed. Emma reached out earlier this year during a little social media hiatus that she took, which led her to find this and many other podcasts, and I'm so delighted to have connected with her to share her story. You've probably gathered already that I'm fascinated by crime and police, so I nearly chewed her ear off. She's not only still a Queensland policewoman, but has also created the beautiful Canvassed Planner, a dateless yearly planner reminding us all that you don't need to wait for a new year or even a new month to get started on your dreams. She shares some wonderful insights, including that time she peed her pants in front of a sergeant, just the kind of down-to-earth chuckles that you know I love so much. In the coming weeks, we have some more incredible founders who have inspired me along the way, but we'll also have a breast cancer surgeon, a former SAS platoon commander and a neuroscientist with many more in the works. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that button now so you don't miss any of the action. And this episode has also finally encouraged me to get the CCA Facebook group up and running as if I needed another platform (laughs) so we can all share recommendations or little slices of yay more directly, even if it's just a few of us. So I will pop the link in the show notes or you can just search CCA community and make sure you click on it so that I can accept you into the group. Even if it's just, you know, one or even two of us, I just think it's so easy to make someone's day. So I would love if you could join us on this little CCA journey. As always, I hope you enjoy the episode and are seizing your yay and I'm always open to feedback and suggestions. So never hesitate to hit me up. All right. Today we have a very exciting guest on the show. Emma is a wonderful listener of CZA and we connected, I think it was through the podcast and Instagram and uh, just got chatting and I think Emma might have even suggested someone else to go on the podcast and I was like oh my god we got talking and I heard her story and I was like you need to come on this is amazing. (laughs) So welcome to CZA. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Too excited, actually. (laughs) 
I know. I've been so excited. I was like, oh my gosh. So for a little background for um, everyone who's listening, you've probably heard me over the past few episodes just mention that, you know, we've had a lot of amazing founders on the show. Um, We've had a lot of people who already have a really big profile and it's just been absolutely incredible how positively everyone has responded um, and how open guests have been to come on the show. But I also did want to, you know, really showcase lots of other pathways that aren't as often heard of and talk to people who were just you know, people who have just been listening and who have really enjoyed it and who have amazing stories themselves. And I love things that are a little bit different. And Emma has an awesome story. She has not only become a founder herself, and we will definitely talk about the business, but has an amazing story in the lead up as well. So I am so excited. You're the first person who I haven't, you know, met before who's come on the show. So this is exciting. It's like a blind date. really true. Yeah. Yeah. You're the first person who I haven't like had, you know, a really long connection with and um, who just was like really randomly off just a chat. And then, yeah. And I was like, you're awesome. I want to start, I've always (laughs) wanted to start doing more of just people in the community who have been listening and then who I discover have a really interesting story, but it just, you're the first. <laughs> so, before we get started with YTA, I love to start, as you know, asking with everyone what the most down to earth thing is about them. So, what's something super down to earth about? Oh, you? God. Um, I kind of, I guess I'm known to not really have any sort of filter. I'm a bit of an open book. So, <laughs> if I'm asked a question, I find it really hard to give like a calm diplomatic answer. Like, there's things that I'm really really passionate about and I I find it really hard to keep a lid on it (laughs) when I get worked up about something yeah so I guess um yeah I don't have a filter but I also grew up in a bit of a smaller town so I have a bit of a potty mouth as well I would say (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing I do hope that that comes out down to earth I'm not quite sure I think it absolutely You'll have to get does. You'll her out for sure when you when you edit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love a bit of potty mouth. I feel like that's when people, you know, the real you comes out, and I definitely love yeah. it when people feel free enough to just kind of let let whatever comes out of their mouth come out. That's that's the real relatable stuff. Okay, great. <laughs> so your way, TA, tell us about young Emma because I feel like you know when you look back at people's childhoods, even if they had no idea what they were going to end up in, there are bits and pieces of things that as a young child, without the filters of responsibility and shoulds and whatever, it it shows, you know, where your interests really lie and and instructs a little bit, you know, in hindsight, you're like, oh, it makes sense where I ended up. So you're based in Brizzy, went to North Rockhampton State High School. Were you cool at school? Did you know what you wanted to be? You know, what were you interested in as a kid? Tell us about I that. I was the kid that my parents just couldn't control. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was a middle child and I've always been a bit of a black sheep, I suppose. But for me, ever since, I mean, at such a young age, I always wanted to be an actress or a performer or, you know, I'd be singing musicals, I'd put on shows for my family. You know, my birthday presents were stand-up microphones and things like that. I'd I'd take the piss out of my aunties and uncles at a, you know <laughs> doing a Christmas show. Um, That's so amazing. That, was, yeah, I don't know. I just was never shy. Um, I was always dancing, always acting, always pretending to cry, and like I just was such a performer from a young age. And that I guess 
went all the way with me, even all the way through high school. I was a bit of a yeah an anomaly because I was super sporty as well. I, I competed in everything I possibly could. If it got me out of school and out of maths and science and all the things that I hated, <laughs> I was in there. But I was also on the complete other end of the spectrum. I was in the drama classes and the film and TV and the art. Like I was really super creative. And that's probably one thing actually looking back that I guess I regret a little bit because I let that go thinking that after you left school that was something that wasn't realistic anymore. You know, I had to, inverted commas, grow up a little bit. So I had every intention of moving to Sydney and trying to get into NIDA. Yeah, like that was my dream for for so long. And then I don't know what, I, I think I got a job in like a pharmacy as a dispensary technician. And it was the most boring job I've ever done in my life. And I just, I don't know how it happened, but it just snowballed into this, well, i got to get a regular job now and just be a regular person because that's what everyone does. Oh, I totally feel that. I mean, as you know, I went into the legal profession and, and it's not that it's not that you're so, like super unhappy. It's just that you kind of think that you need to fit into these boxes and that all of that extra fluffy sparkly part of you is like oh that was my childhood me and now this is my adult me and I'm adulting now um and I I don't know whether we have this preconceived idea that things have to be sensible and serious and they can't be lots of fun and if they are then it's like not a real job yeah I think I've struggled a little bit with that you know now I'm like this is too good to be true (laughs) like (laughs) So you graduated in 2004 uh, and then obviously went into a pharmaceutical dispensary (laughs) role and (laughs) the thing that I am super, super interested about is that you ended up as a police officer with the Queensland Police but that wasn't until 2012. So what was in between? What was that whole like, you know, period in between like and I imagine there were lots of different pathways to get from pharmacy to police officer but yeah, tell us about that intervening period. Um, so I, I guess I moved from, I realised pretty quickly that working in a pharmacy was not my jam. Um, <laughs> so I guess I just sort of flitted and flitted about. I got a job in a real estate and then I kind of changed from, from one real estate to another. I got my property managers and sales licence. Again, it wasn't something that I was, you know, all that interested in, but it just seemed to be something that, you know, it's a good job. It pays the bills. I can, you know, I got a little car, so it was paying that off. Yeah, it didn't serve any purpose other than just get me through, I suppose. Then what did mm. I do? I had a boyfriend. I moved towns a couple of times. So I moved out to the mines because that's, you know, what I thought would make him happy. Then I moved to the beach. I think we, I moved back home to try and save a bit more money. And then I went through a breakup. He was like my first love, of course. And, oh, um, no. yeah. <laughs> and then I sort of made a promise to myself. I decided, you know what? I, I let this boy sort of dictate where I was going and what I was doing with my life. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So I made a commitment that I was going to go and travel for a while. So I saved up for a year and I went to Europe. Um, I got one of the two year visas. Oh, so amazing. yeah, I tried London. I hate London. I was, I'm so, I love warm weather I just can't get away from it so um oh you're a Queensland girl of course yeah Yeah, (gasps) did you say the Greek islands yes so that was probably (gasps) some of the best time of my life zero responsibilities I was working barefoot in a cafe every day right on the beach 
It was so oh, good. <laughs> that's amazing. So what led me to getting into the QPS, um, I came back from a year overseas. I had no money left. I think I gained like 10 kilos. <laughs> so I, I should say <laughs> All I, worth wobbled, it though. I wobbled home. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you were so happy, um, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No regrets at all. Yeah, so when I came back from overseas, I was kind of stuck. I was like, I don't know really what I want to do from here because I think anyone who has travelled has probably experienced the same thing and realised there's more to life than just a boring admin job, for example, that I just get nothing out of. I wasn't, it didn't fulfil me. Like creatively I was stuck in my hometown and I didn't feel like I was achieving anything there or I didn't really want to stay there, I I suppose. I just thought there's got to be more out there for me. My brother-in-law is a firefighter and he actually said to me, you should look into becoming a firefighter. But after coming oh my back gosh. exercising for 12 months and having a look <laughs> at their fitness test, I thought there is no way that I'm going to be able to do that. I'll, I'll probably have a heart attack. <laughs> I love that that was the decision-making yeah. process. <laughs> I don't want to kill myself trying to get into the fireys. Yeah, so it was honestly just out of curiosity that I looked at the Queensland Police website and I thought, I wonder what they have to do to, to pass the fitness test. And after I, I was like, oh, easy. I think it was a beep test or something. Um, and I was like, if, as long as I start training, I'll be fine because I've always been athletic and sporty and I knew it wasn't going to take me long to get back into it. But um, I kind of read the position description and I like doing things that are different every day, like I hate monotony. So mm-hmm. reading what the police do and the different types of jobs and I just thought that's that's a bit more up my alley. So I applied on a whim and it was actually such a quick process for me. I know a lot of people that it can take um, a bit of time, but I guess I just applied at the right time and I got accepted. And so I went to council and I started at the academy. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Your story is like, I, I didn't even know the bit between 2004 and 2012. And even without that, I was like, you are CCA personified, walking around just yaying and like <laughs> such a strong <laughs> example of exploring different parts of yourself, of not really knowing what you want to do along the way and that being okay because you land on your feet and you find out where you want to be. Um, but that bit in between, even more so, is like you literally graduate and some people know from the time they're five, you know, what they want to do and they are really focused on that one goal and they get there. But most people are like, what the fuck am I? doing and where am I going to go now and it takes a good like decade sometimes of completely different things like anywhere from admin to pharmacy to travel and having a bar job like that is part of discovering yourself and I imagine that now looking back like yeah you're like oh I don't know it wasn't really what I wanted to do but you wouldn't change those years because it taught you everything that you need to know about yourself absolutely I just feel like we're we're told that there's basically one pathway for us when we graduate school and it's either go to university or, you know, jump straight into the workforce and find that one job that you love and then you're going to do it until you retire. And that's just not the case anymore. I think it's such an old school way of looking at it. So, yeah, yeah totally. I think at the time my parents were absolutely freaking out because they're like, oh, God, she has no direction and she can't stick to one job. And but I'm like, <laughs> if, I don't, if I'm not loving what I'm doing, why would I do it? Totally. And that's the other thing is like, 
Yeah, I mean, but it's true. And I think, you know, there's we don't have to go all the way to yeah. the extreme, but you can come back to like the middle ground and it, you don't, you know, I imagine when you're in Europe and working in a bar and there's no career progression in that. Like you weren't there thinking that you're going to make your life over there, but it still serves such an important purpose yeah. that sometimes to find a direction, you have to lose it for a little while and you have to be willing to lose it for a little while and not always know what you're going and have a plan for the next step. I think we get really caught up in like needing to be climbing some sort of ladder or needing to be, you know, achieving on a scale that people recognize. But most people who have ended up finding something they love have had to really let go of those ideas and have a period of like, well, what the hell am I doing? And I'm just going to do things for the sake. And then it's when they come out the other end, like, oh, I, I've redefined what I see as jobs and work and life and direction. Yeah. And I love that the police force was just on a whim as well, purely because you'd found out what suits you. You'd realize that monotony didn't suit you because it suits some yeah. people. And then you went for it. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was intimidating <laughs> at the time as well. Oh, I can imagine. And, and like, it's not, it's not a job that doesn't have a lot of responsibility and, and like, it's not a job where, you know, in retail, it's like you make a mistake, you know, no one's going to die or society isn't going to crumble. But like the police force, it's like a little bit more serious. Yeah. <laughs> so I love, I'm so fascinated by the professions and trades and I love exploring the idea that people find their pathways in that and not just by leaving your job. You know, you, you, it's not always that you find your happiness by leaving a job. You might find a new job or go in a way that you never, ever imagined was possible. And the police force particularly fascinates me. I don't know whether it's because I have a legal background or I don't know, but I just I, I don't know much about it because I haven't grown up around many police women or, or men in the family. So I want you to tell us everything about it. For people who don't know how you qualify, whether you can specialise, if it's scary. You know, I read you, you've talked before about how it's still quite a male-dominated environment and there's not a lot of female support and there's a lot of, you know, challenge in proving you're capable. You know, there's all these, I can imagine there's all these things and, and dynamics in your job that people outside of the police force have no idea about. So Tell us everything. <laughs> oh, God, where do I start? I mean, if anyone was interested in getting in into the police force, it is it is quite challenging because you do six months at the academy and I think it's a draw card for people who are younger because you really drop in wage, like you're not earning very much while you're at the academy. So I take my hat off to those people that decide when they're, you know, mid-30s or 40s and they have the mortgage and and the partner and the kids and, and all of that because financially it can be really tough. But, yeah, so you do six months at the academy where you basically learn all the legislation and what you can and can't do and how to deal with people. And I think, honestly, there's just a, a really, like, there's a type of person that can be a police officer and and you either have it or you don't. You have to be able to be empathetic but strong like you don't you can't be intimidated easily or you at least have to be able to fake it <laughs> if you are <laughs> like you're dealing with so many different circumstances and different situations and I find it hard because you know people that are I would never have joined at 18 19 even 20 because I think as someone like in sending an 18 or 19 year old to a domestic violence incident where like a married couple who are in their 40s have argued you really can't relate you know to that situation like how do you come into that 
and be able to see everything from from their perspective if you've never actually I don't know I think it's a good career to get into after you've had a bit of life experience and I think that's what traveling and trying a different couple of different um jobs for me provided me I was 24 Mm. 25 I think when I joined and I felt really comfortable by then to be able to do the job and yeah so it's it's not a it's I, I guess it's a challenging job more so in that no one's ever really happy to see you. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit of a thankless. Yeah. It's a thankless job. Don't expect to be told how how great you did after after every job you go to. Most people will abuse you and swear at you, try and assault you. But I think it really comes down to the people that you work with as well, and whether you feel confident and safe with the people that or the person that you've got beside you, depending on you know who you're working with and what type of mm. shift you're doing. But, yeah, it, ca- it can be a, a scary job sometimes when you're walking into a situation where you don't actually know what you're walking into or who might be there. I think that's why people really underestimate, you know, my job is to walk into a situation and know that I'm going to be able to walk out without being injured or hurt. So mm. people, you might be having a party and think, you know, the cops just walked in and they searched the rooms or they opened the doors. That's purely just to make sure that there's no one standing behind it with a knife or a gun. That's for our own safety. So I don't know if I'm really explaining it all that well. We're just normal people who are are trying to do our best in, you know, keeping everyone safe and making sure that no one gets hurt unnecessarily. And sometimes it can feel like it doesn't matter what we do. People are never going to be satisfied with the result. But in saying that, it honestly makes my day when I might be standing there just doing a patrol or whatever and people walk past. And, and generally it's it's people who are a lot older, you know, in their 60s and 70s, and they say, thank you so much for doing the job that you do. And honestly, um, I could have had the worst day. And even someone just saying that just totally makes it all worth it because I do know that there are people out there who really appreciate what we do, but we just don't see them very often, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I think about that often that, you know, it's one of those jobs where no one kind of appreciates or even notices the impact of your work until it goes wrong and then they're like, you know, like they'll tell you when you've done something wrong and you haven't been there but all the times that you are there and you do your job and you make things go smoothly, people just assume that that's how it was going anyway, you know what I mean? It's kind of almost an yeah. invisible guardian of society role. And also there's, you know, a lot of stigma comes through like against cops and maybe a few here and there might have given, you know, the rest of the people a bad name and I, I, I just think – you must be such a resilient person with such a tough skin to be able to not get praise and not always be, you know, told that what you're doing is amazing and still front up to work knowing that you could be injured or, you know, the situations you have to deal with are the ones that the rest of us are like, oh, God, thank God someone else in society takes care of that. You're running and in the opposite direction. Yeah. yeah, we're all just like, oh, the police will deal with that, you know. Like you're the people that we call when we're like, this is too much. And I just have so much admiration that you're the, you know, you people actually are the same as us and yet still have to go towards the danger, yeah. you know. That is one word that I've, I am constantly using to sort of like explain the like the one thing that I'm really proud of that I've gotten from this job is is my resilience I've realized really quickly that no matter what life throws at me like 
I can handle it. So yeah, I feel like yeah, in the last I can six, imagine. seven years, I have become extremely resilient. Oh my gosh. And also to maintain the right balance between, you know, empathy and professionalism and, you know, doing the right thing. I just think your emotional radar must be absolutely incredible. I know I would not be suited to it because I'd just fall into a you know, a heap, like every single day. I feel like you'd be surprised, but that is one thing that I guess the longer that I do this job, the the more it sort of worries me a little bit. And it's partly the reason why I took, I took seven months off from work last year, just because Mm. I felt like I was maybe losing those really human traits that they make a person and they honestly make my job easier when you, when you have them. And you know, mm. I never want to lose that empathy. I, w- I never want to lose the ability to put myself in other people's shoes before I make a decision about how I'm going to proceed or move forward. And mm. I think that's also why a lot of police officers suffer from burnout and they suffer from depression and anxiety. And it's because we're dealing with the worst of the worst every single day. And if there's no separation, if you don't look after yourself, it's really easy to to fall into that trap and, and become bitter and angry and, you know, just sad. It, it honestly, it does make me sad sometimes the way that the world is going and the things that I see, because I'm like, oh, it's just, it's sad. I guess there's no other way to put it, which is why mm. I also have, I love the fact that I have Canvas because it's the thing that that props me back up on the days that I might have seen something bad or or am just not feeling myself. And I mm. think it's really important to have that thing um, because otherwise you just, yeah, you really fall into that trap. So true. And that's why, you know, I love your story so much because I do think that there are jobs in, in the world where you can be immensely fulfilled and feel very purposeful, but they're not necessarily yay in the sense of like joyful or uplifting or happy all the time. And they are gritty and scary and, you know, cause a lot of anxiety and maybe depression because you constantly see only, you know, the disaster situations and how can you not be impacted by that? So when I, you know, what I try and show through these episodes is that you can have a life of yay, but sometimes you need to pull that from lots of different things. You know, sometimes your job provides one level of fulfillment, but in a joy sense, you need something else on the side. You can't just be a one-dimensional human. Often your joy has to be pieced together from lots of different things. And that's why I love that, you know, the world was seeing that you needed something uplifting to kind of balance out all the work that you were doing as a policewoman and that that's what Canvas has yeah. become. So I really do want to get into um, into the founder story and also we'll come back to uh, some of the challenges in both in the NATA section. But just before that, I know you can't talk much about it, but this is maybe the most exciting role I have ever been able to have on the podcast <laughs> so far. You went undercover and undercover cop is like, I can't even tell you, I'm such, I geek out over crime shows. I really want to have a CSI <laughs> on the show. I absolutely love crime, like crime, nonfiction and fiction. So undercover cop life is like, I just want to like pick your brain wide open as much as you are able. <laughs> I know you can't talk about the methodologies and stuff, yeah. but but how, so when I asked before, you know, whether you can specialize, like once you graduate from the academy and you, you know, are you a beat cop? Like firstly, I know that's from law and order. Is that an actual <laughs> word? Probably not. But, you know, you start yeah. as like a, just a general policewoman. And then how do you 
go undercover and how do you specialize in you know do you want to are there departments like you know homicide and cold cases like is that a real thing and how do you kind of shift yourself into those positions um definitely so once you graduate um you're sent to what's called your like your first station so you complete your first year of policing which is you're basically monitored and um supervised for your first year and you have modules that you have to sign off to say that you're competent and and you can do the job um and then you complete your tenure I suppose it's called so you get wherever you get placed so I personally was placed in Mount Isa um and the tenure there is two years you have to stay for Whilst mm-hmm. I was there, I, I did the course to become a covert police officer or an undercover. They call it covert, so I'll just refer to it as covert, which they don't normally do for someone with my level of service. Um, normally you have to have three years. But, um, yeah, for whatever reason, I was accepted and I did the course and I loved it. And the reason why I wanted to do it, I'm just I'm always up for a challenge and that was one position that, there wasn't really any information about it, which I think there was a reason for that, obviously. And, <laughs> I mean, during the course, they really test you to see how you do under like high intensity situations and things like that. If you buckle under pressure and I, I mean, I loved it. I can, I, I think the fact that I'd wanted to be an actress for so it would, to me, I was like, well, I'm just acting today. <laughs> I'm just pretending to be someone that I'm not, which I, I have always loved doing. I love role playing. So I think I just, um, I really fit, fit into it. Like, you know, whatever they wanted to, me to become, I sort of was like, right, let's do it. So, um, Oh my gosh, that is like getting a, you know, getting a script and a brief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess in just like much higher stakes. Um, yeah, so I did the course and then, yeah, they wanted me to come straight across, but I had to have the three years service. So I stayed in Mount Isa for another 12 months and then I went straight there. But the thing I love about the QPS is there are so many avenues and things that you can specialize in. Like they have this criminal investigation brain, so you can become a detective. They have homicide squad, they have dog squad, they have water police. There's so many different little avenues you can go down if that's what you're into you can be scenes of crime if you want and purely just do scenes of crime stuff so it is a job that really has lots of opportunities you can go statewide so for that reason it's it's a great job to get into um, because if there is something that you're super passionate about whether you want to work with dogs or you know you are the photographer guy who loves doing scenes of crime and and laying all that out I personally couldn't think of anything worse but um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's great. There's there's plenty of doors that are available for you to choose from. It's not just, say, general duties. So, oh my God, yeah, COVID was so one cool. of the things that I just thought, how interesting and challenging. And I really like to push my boundaries and see what I'm capable of and can do. So I went straight from Mount Isa and, yeah, ended up in COVID. Oh, my God. And how do you kind of manage the fact that people might recognise you? from your past or from, you know, how do you do? I always wonder with going covert how you kind of protect your true identity when you're, you know, out in the yeah, field. Yeah, it was difficult. Um, I feel like you're always on edge, I suppose. I, I didn't really have a much of a social life during the mm. time that I was in covert, just purely because for me it wasn't really a risk worth taking. I was yeah, I was really focused on doing a good job at work. And I guess like you just have to be careful, I suppose. So there were times when I was on jobs and I might have seen someone that I knew from years ago or, you know, I played odds tag. So I had a lot of people that I knew 
to to look at them. So you just have to remove yourself, I guess, and adapt and and, and switch it up, or just make a call and say, I can't be here anymore. I've got to move on because there's someone that rec- would recognize me here. But yeah, you're constant constantly on your toes for sure because you don't ever want someone to walk up and be like, Emma. <laughs> I know. Hang That's on. why I always think that. I'd be like, no. <laughs> be like <laughs> no, I'm Roberta. I don't know Emma. <laughs> don't speak to me. I'm like, I have no idea who this loser is. <laughs> oh my gosh. That and then is you have crazy. to make a call the next day. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is so cool. I mean, like, yeah, I just, I'm so fascinated by I that. Did, whole I did change thing. my appearance a bit. I was going to ask, do you change your like hair color and like, do you have to change your voice? Or? Um, I was like bleach. I bleach my hair blonde. So I was bleach blonde, <gasps> which I have never been before. So people wouldn't really recognize me that way. But it's kind of like you don't want to stand out too much either because then, you know, if I was to have bright pink hair, <laughs> wait, a, <laughs> you stand out in the crowd a bit much then, don't you? So. Um, oh my gosh that, but yeah I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I changed changed my voice too much I didn't go around pretending I was British or anything like that yeah <laughs> so do you when you go into character do you move house and stuff like do you go home to your own home and become you in between like when you're at the supermarket or do you stay in your covert personality for like no, a whole no you go home I think in the old days they might have like lived as a particular person but um no like I, I had my home and I had my normal friends and I, w- I would do normal things yeah for oh sure I think it would be it would be really hard to do it the other way I think you'd definitely lose a sense of who who you actually are and that's when people might get caught up in you know feeling like they may have lost a sense of their self but I made a point of like being able to separate work and like my personal life as well so I even I mean I avoided even socially speaking to other police officers. So I kind of really separated myself for a bit there because the best, I mean, the best way to look at it was I wasn't a police officer for two years. Ah, Um, okay. You were the person. You need to be able to basically forget everything that you've learned. Like even cops have a way of speaking and sometimes they don't realise that they do it. They say things like, oh, disregard and, they're driving in the car they might say clear left because that's what you do when you're working you let your partner know yep you're good you clear left so you really have to forget all of those things that you have learned in the last three years because that's not what normal normal people say anymore so yeah for me it was <laughs> oh my just god about that is so cool forgetting everything for a little bit do you watch cop shows and like correct things? Like, do you either cringe or go, "Oh my god, that is so not how we do things," um, or like how so you know what I mean? Like, I always <laughs> yeah. Like I when I watch movies, I'm like, "Oh, there's no way they would have found that already," or "There's no way those DNA tests are <laughs> <were> back already." <laughs> um, yeah, or like when they show like dead bodies on movies, I'm like, "A dead body doesn't look like that." <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, really you've morbid. seen dead bodies. <gasps> I mean, you would have to become desensitized to a point to just allow you to cope with like, you know, how the mortality aspect of yeah. it. And, oh, I just, I could talk to you about this for <laughs> hours. I'm like such a police nerd. I'm so <laughs> excited. But I do want to give your beautiful business some airtime. So 
five years into your role as a policewoman, you started your own business in Jan 2017, I think, called Canvassed. So tell us about how this kind of came about. It's a dateless yearly planner for women and I have never heard of anything like this. I think the dateless idea so that I think the concept is, you know, you don't have to wait to start your dreams for a particular date. You just start now. I love that so much. So tell us about that whole process. Yeah, so I mean the fact that it's dateless I I think is such a – it's it's one of its well, it is its best feature. You know, someone might be listening to your podcast, for example, and just be inspired. You know what? I'm going to go start that thing that I've always wanted to do, or I'm going to make a change in my life starting today. And Canvas is perfect that you're like, right? That's going to be the tool that I help to use to get me there. And I don't now. I don't have to wait till January to do that. So yeah, I love mm. I love that part about it. But I really started Canvas because it was whilst I was working in Covert, and I just felt so alone and just isolated I suppose you know I was having to sort of separate myself from a lot of people and I was really I was struggling like at I guess work-wise with being undervalued and under supported and I felt like I was constantly being questioned because of the fact that I was a woman and whether or not I was capable enough to do the job that I was doing and I guess I mixed that with the fact that I was always a big planner user I've always loved using planners and um I guess Mm. I just wanted to create something that a woman could open and look at and be inspired and encouraged to keep going or keep dreaming keep doing that thing that you want to do and don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough or you're not capable enough because you are you just have to believe in yourself and I know that's not something that you just decide one day and it happens overnight. It's a constant work in progress. You might have a month where you're like, fuck yeah, I'm killing it. And then you might have a <laughs> week where you wake up and you struggle to get out of bed and you just, you curse yourself the entire time. Like what's wrong with you? Get out of bed. Why, why are you like this? So I just wanted to be real and raw and honest about our struggles while celebrating ourselves and trying to encourage women to realize their worth, I suppose. And just let them know that whatever they want to do, it's 100% achievable. They just have to believe. Absolutely. I love that so much. And it's so in line with, you know, everything that I talk about on the show, the fact that you really in this day and age can do just about anything that you want to do. There's no recession or GFC. You know, the world is ripe for change and new ideas and innovation and and also there's enough room for everyone. So even if someone has done what you've done already, everyone, you know, there's always someone out there looking for exactly what you have and the way that you do it yeah. differently. So all the self-doubt and stuff, it's natural, it's completely understandable, but there's really no reason not to kind of follow your dreams these days. Like even if it's as a yeah. hobby, even if it's something on the side, just get started and see yeah. what happens. You know, it's such an exciting time to be alive where you're expected to have multiple different journeys in your life. You're not expected to find a job and sit in it for the rest of your life. You know, it's like, don't waste the opportunity that you have to live in this time. And if there are tools and, you know, tools like Canvas that can help you get there, then embrace them wholly. Yeah. You know, you say it's like the paper version of having your yeah. best friend. <laughs> I love that. And I guess the reason for that was because I, like, you know, being in covert, it was, it was so isolating sometimes. And for me, I'd be sitting at my desk and I'd open it up and I'd be like, fuck yeah, like this is just it's kind of the equivalent of having coffee with with your bestie and just venting because the whole way through it, it's got 
you know, different quotes throughout and little sneaky reminders and monthly pep talks and different things like that. And sometimes you do need a little kick up the button, a reminder to to focus on different things. So, yeah, I'm so, so obsessed with it. Um, and you'd think <laughs> by now that I wouldn't be or I wouldn't get <laughs> as many, as much joy from looking at it every day as I do. But I just, it's all just so, it, and it's like the reminders just come at the perfect time. So, yeah, I love it. Oh, so beautiful. I love that you've been able to, you know, I imagine you were also already an incredibly, incredibly busy woman. So I love that, you know, when we're busy, we decide that the best thing is to have a whole new project. Let's totally yeah. do that. <laughs> so I also read that you spent your house deposit to start this. And, you know, I think even now, you know, you're, you're kind of, yeah, two and a bit years into it, it looks very, it can look very glossy. It can look really easy. People who have businesses, we forget sometimes that once we do, you know, get a little bit far, further along the way that people forget how hard it was in the very beginning. So it would have been enormously helpful when you started, I'm sure, if you actually had the planner to be able to help you plan building your business. Yeah. But given that you hadn't created it yet, how did you get started? What was the very beginning and what were some of the tools and resources, particularly because you were quite isolated? How did you get the motivation and knowledge and skills, you know, to, to get the product produced and then to design it? You know, how did you get all that together? Um, honestly, I winged it. <laughs> <laughs> I have always wondered, is it wung it or wing it? Yeah, I think I winged it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll look it up later. But no, actually, weirdly, I was on, it was Boxing Day 20, 2016, and I was on Great Kebble Island, which is a tiny little island off the coast of Yapoon because I'm from Rockhampton, and I met this amazing woman who'd just come back from England and had decided that she wanted to start her own creative agency. And I told her about my idea with Canvas and she said, absolutely, I would love to help you with that. And she was honestly such, it was Mel from M Media Strategy, I should say, such a wealth of knowledge when it came to, you know, basically I told her what I wanted to create, what I wanted people to feel when they opened it. I basically said, I, I want to put me in a planner and my personality in a planner because these are the things I'm passionate about. This is what I want women to be reminded of. And she was just able to take that and make it this real physical thing um she and yeah her and her team just did such an amazing job of taking my concept and and turning it into what it was so I mean they they helped me with everything from the colors and the tone of voice um the font that we used and I think those are the things that you don't really think of at the beginning like oh my god when I said I wanted to create a planner I just didn't think that there was this much work involved so <laughs> I guess I worked with them and then I did my own research when it came to you know printing and importing and getting websites done and there's just so much involved and I think if if you go into it trying or thinking that you can do it all yourself you're going to like fail pretty quickly mm. I think the best thing you can possibly do is meet or like I know people have like mentor groups or mastermind groups things like that I guess it's just like surround yourself with people who have been through it I had so many people throwing advice at me who had never built a business before and I'm just like I'm blocking you out because unless you've been there and done it in um, speaking from experience I just really don't have time for it because you've already (laughs) got a million things on your mind I think it's important to zone out 
what's not important and focus on what is and just take it one step at a time. I'd be okay with growing slowly. You know, I'm, I'm two, two years into it and um, like, it's still difficult for me. I still have to, you know, focus really hard and try and implement different things. And I'm doing trial and errors, you know, just to try and get the word out there and, and share what I'm trying to achieve here. So it's not, I know a lot of people will have, have you think that it's like an overnight success? Um, and some <laughs> businesses are lucky in that it is. Like, you know, I look at brands like High Smile, they really they really went from zero to 100. And I look at businesses like that and I'm like, that's amazing for you guys. But for all of us little guys, let's not forget that sometimes it is just a hard slog. But if you love what you do, it kind of it doesn't feel like hard work. Absolutely. And I actually had Erin Deering from Triangle, one of the co-founders on a couple of weeks ago and Triangle Swimwear went, you know, literally was quite an overnight success. And sometimes that isn't the best. You know, she talked about how the learning curve was almost too steep. The growth was almost too much for them to cope with and it, it kind of broke her. So it is, it, I mean, it, obviously it's amazing yeah. and there are so many parts of it that she was super grateful for. But f I think steady growth is something that allows you to not only enjoy the journey, but grow into it as well. Like we now, we're five years in and, and same thing with Matcha Maiden. If we'd grown much faster than we had, we would be completely screwed. Like we, we wouldn't have been able to do most of the things that we've been able to do or change things as we got feedback or, you know, improve our kind of supply chain and all that stuff takes so much time. Yeah. So too fast is not necessarily a good thing, I think. We all are so enamoured by speed, but I, I don't think it's always the because right thing. Because then I don't think or you the, get time I mean, to actually sit yeah. back and in, enjoy your progress and celebrate the little victories along the way. Like really it just becomes, okay, well, we reached like this massive milestone. What's next? You're always looking for like the next big thing or what comes next without taking a step back and, and celebrating what you've achieved so far. Yeah, absolutely. So... That brings me to the next section, which is called NATA, and we've kind of covered some of them, but this is basically just the section where along the way TA, there is always going to be so many obstacles and so much shit that like comes in your path. And usually that's the time that you grow into who you're meant to be. And I think everything happens for a reason. So every challenge you come across is just an opportunity to grow and equip yourself for whatever's coming next. But doesn't mean that it's pleasant along the way. And I think this is the bit that often gets skipped over because, you know, once you get to the exciting glossy side of things, that tends to be what you focus on the most. So along your journey in, you know, both your careers, what have been some of the biggest challenges? And particularly now, I imagine time management of balancing both of them because you're still yeah. a cop. You know, how, how have you balanced the two and what have been your biggest struggles in both of them or together yeah. or separately? Um, I think separately, the QPS, I mean, <laughs> I've, had, I've had so many struggles and it's such a shame because I, re I really love this job um, and it's purely just come down to some of the people that I've had to work with and, and managers that have been in, in charge of me and uh, I, it's just such an ego-centred job sometimes. Um, I'm really lucky in where I am now, like I've just – I've come across none of that and I, yeah, I, I really love where I am at the moment. I feel really comfortable, but I've had some really shit managers who have made my life really difficult, but again, like has made me super resilient and if nothing else, like even more determined to like push through and be better than them. I don't know yeah. if, 
I have the ability to make any sort of big changes in the QPS as much as I would love to when it comes to how women are treated and the opportunities that are afforded to us. I think the QPS has a really long, long way to go. And a lot of people are in denial about that. And they might say, well, we we did 50-50 recruiting and or we're giving more sergeants promotions and things like that. And it's all superficial surface stuff. And I'd mm-hmm. love to be a part of the change in that. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to be able to do that yet, but it is something that I'm hopeful for because I don't mm-hmm. ever, I don't want to leave my job, but it's all, yeah, I mean, brutal honesty here and I'm just full transparency, but it isn't something that I can see myself doing long-term in the current climate that it is because I think it causes so much what's the word I guess disharmony for me in that it feels like I'm just banging my head up against a brick wall sometimes and you just Mm. never I yeah I feel like a bit of a broken record and you never want to be that person and I feel like I'm such an advocate for if you're not if you can't make a change or you can't change the situation that you're in to make it how you would like it to be then you should leave I'm not there yet but um it is definitely one of the things that I've had to come up against Um, from basically the beginning of my career. So that's probably the one obstacle that I've dealt with in the QPS. With Canvas, it's always, I guess, just cash flow. Um, (laughs) I I did spend a massive chunk of my house deposit in creating it and bringing it to life. And I think people also underestimate the cost when building, especially a product-based business. So I, I had a cutoff point and I said, right, no more of my money goes into this. If Canvas can't sustain itself with um, like the profit that it makes and I'm always injecting its profits into building it and making it better and, you know, new projects and things like that. So that's, I guess, but again, it's just you've got to make enough sales in order to keep growing and get big, getting bigger. So that's probably, and just self-doubt. And I know it's such like an overarching thing, but I just have moments where I'm like, am I even doing the right thing? Is this what people want? Is this even a good idea anymore? Maybe it wasn't good enough. <laughs> you know, you have those, it's such an up and down roller coaster owning a business and trying to figure out if you're doing the right thing, if you're going the right direction. Because again, you know, if you look on Instagram and social media and all the rest of it, you're being told you have to do this and you must do that. Otherwise, you're such a failure at owning a business and if you're not doing this then what are you even doing and I'm like oh god I'm not doing any of those things but fuck I feel like I'm (laughs) still doing good so yeah just the ability to block out the the outside noise totally then yeah like you said before I'm working shift work full-time hours and trying to run a business so I took the month of May off social media and Mm -hmm. canvassed all together And I kind of took a step back and I was like, how am I going to make this work for me? So there are a few things that I've implemented, like I've just changed our dispatch. So we dispatch now once a week instead of every single day, which makes my life so much easier because, you know, Mm. if I'm finishing at seven o'clock in the morning, there's no way I'm going to be able to get orders out that day. So it's just about juggling and finding what works for you because, if you if you burn yourself out in the process trying to please every single person, you're never going to succeed. But if you make your business work for you and, and are transparent and honest about how your business functions, then I just feel like people are more respectful of that. Like, hell yeah, she's got a full-time job and she's making this business work for her. What a legend. Versus Absolutely. she never told me it was going to be four days for my order to get here or she never, yeah. 
So that's something that I've had to really dive into and accept more. Yeah, I think the biggest part of, you know, running a business and keeping, you know, yourself happy, your customers happy and and kind of finding the right balance in between is just expectation management. That's all it is. If you create this, if you let it get out of control and let it choose its own timeline and, you know, that's exactly the recipe for you to kind of be sacrificed in the process and if you set the boundaries and you kind of create the expectations by being very clear about what people can expect they're never disappointed because they're not thinking that you're going to be the same as someone who has millions of dollars behind them to have dispatch and staff and people doing you know then you're not an amazon no one expects you to be that but i think not giving yourself a hard time about it as well is the hardest thing and in every episode, the overarching topic in NATA is self-doubt. And I thought today I would not bring it up <laughs> because I always talk about it first. And I thought I'll just see, you know, what happens if I don't kind of lead you there straight away. And it's interesting that I'm not surprised at all that it's one of the first things that comes up naturally because it's a major theme for women particularly, but anyone who's going into something new, the nature of it is that, you know, you were saying before that one month you might feel this and one month you might feel that. For me, it's like one hour I might feel like, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. The next hour I'm like, this is fucking yeah. shit. Next hour, oh my God, I'm a genius. You know, it's like literally minute to minute. And that's part of the journey. <laughs> like, I don't think you're meant to have it all together. That's part of creating something new and exciting. And there is a lot of noise out there and there's so much comparison and there's so much visibility of what other people are doing. But if you can, same thing, set some boundaries in your social media by either, you know, I admire so much that you took a full social media hiatus. That is incredibly yeah. brave because of course, then there's self-doubt of like, I'm going to be irrelevant. My business is going to die, but you just have to stick to what you need and resolutely ignore the things that tell you otherwise. Yeah. And then you're set. Like I think it's all about just figuring out what works for you. Tell you what, God, I'm getting good at listening listening to what my body and what my mind is telling me, and just being like, "Righto, this is what we're doing." I'm yeah. not gonna make myself feel bad for it. And it's such a freeing feeling. It really is. It's like, yeah, I'm taking May off. And if like anyone has a problem with that, then fuck. You know what? You take over my social media for a month. Otherwise, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. And you realize like after a month, like nothing happens, right? You didn't fall into a hole of irrelevance. You didn't like nothing, nothing major happens. No, I didn't get any abuse in the Where have you been? (laughs) You probably came back feeling so much more positive towards the business and delivering so much more to your customers now that you've had a little break and have given yourself the time and valued, you know, what your body's telling you over demands of the external which is so hard to do but I admire it so much and I think it is something that comes with time you know at the very beginning you do beat yourself up every second you do look outwardly to what everyone else is doing and that's of course natural and part of it but if you can kind of curate your life and curate your feed so that it's not always people who make you feel pressure or guilt or whatever and curate your days and your weeks and your months it's it's all manageable you can come back into alignment with yourself you don't have to be in constant burnout all the time and so what about other forms of balance like not only between your jobs and between kind of being on and off of one or the other how about like you mentioned that socially you know you had to withdraw a little bit when you were being you know doing covert operations have you had time for family do you want to have a family you know is there room for dating or are you literally just like I'm just looking after me 
I'm doing my business, I'm doing my thing, I'm, and you're really happy with the balance you've got now? Like, what's what are the plans um, there? Well, my family all live in Rockhampton. Um, and I don't get back as much as I would like, but I have a trip back planned in July, actually. I'm going to see – I specifically booked flights to go see The Lion King with my sisters and my grandma oh. and my mom and my nieces. So it's going to be so cool to see, like, a movie that we watched up watched growing up with my nieces. I think it's, yeah, amazing. But, oh. no, I've definitely jumped straight back into, you know, being social again. I play AFL. I started playing AFL last year, which I oh love. Oh, my god! My body hates me for it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I wish I'd started earlier because I love the game and just the social aspect of it. Honestly, I, it was like I just made 26 new friends instantly. So I highly recommend getting into a team sport for people that, you know, might have moved to a new city and are struggling to meet people. But I also have an amazing group of girlfriends who I've known for a really long time. And then I've built this amazing community of women who are all I've all met through owning Canvas and all own their own businesses as well. So it's nice to have those guys as a soundboard too. I'm dating at the moment, which is, ugh, so I hate dating. It sucks. That's so bad. Um, <laughs> but um, when it comes to, I've actually made the decision. I, I don't know if I really, I don't want a family. I don't want children. Really? Yes. It's such a um, controversial opinion, I suppose. No, I, just don't I don't think so at all. Instinct. I feel like I'm like super affectionate and giving and generous and I like, yeah, I'm very thoughtful when it comes to my friendships and my relationships and things like that. But I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, I take my hat off to mums, man. I don't know how they do it, <laughs> how they juggle everything. But it's just something that I look at and go, I just don't know if that's for me. It takes so much sacrifice and yeah, I mean, I I love this about you that you you do know what suits you and what doesn't, and I I think maybe it's a little bit controversial, but I also think it's more controversial to just go ahead and do it because you think you need to tick a box and then not particularly enjoying it. Yeah, I, mean, I I love when people just know themselves and they know what suits them and they know what they're going to do a good job at as well. And if you're you know sure enough in in your belief, then I'm so inspire I find that so inspiring yeah. that you're just like not everyone is no. meant to be a mum you're the friend that turns up at your friend's yeah, houses with a tray of lasagna and a you know I tell them that they're booking for the massages at 11 and I'll see them in an hour oh my gosh you're amazing. I think that's yeah <laughs> I just feel like that yeah that seems so much more natural to me than being the person that's like stuck in the house and yeah just doesn't appeal to me at all yeah, I but love yeah, that. I just, I honestly, I take my hats off, hat off to mothers because they are, in in my opinion, like the superwomen of the world. Like how they manage to do what they do and still put pants on is beyond me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I fully hope that when I am, you know, when I do become a mum, I won't be putting pants on. <laughs> you know, I love living without pants. <laughs> no pants club. Hashtag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. And so the very last segment is called Platier. And this is the bit where we separate Emma, who is a cop, Emma, who has a business, Emma, who is achieving and learning and developing and just find out who you are and what you do that brings you joy that isn't product, you know, productive, that doesn't have output. That's what you do to relive your, reawaken your inner child. What, what do you do? Do you do anything just yes. for fun? Um, I would say the things that really 
this is a tough one because it's actually reminded me that I haven't done it in a long time and I'm like, yeah. shit, I really need to do that again. <laughs> but for me, I just plan an adventure and it can even be something as local as jumping on, you know, the little city bikes that they have and riding to the botanical gardens and laying a rug down and taking my shoes off and putting them in the grass and reading my book and journaling and writing, you know, 30 things that make me happy. I just think things like that, by the end of the day, I'm so like re-energized and refocused and have this sense of, I guess, this happy calmness about me. And um, yeah, it's just funny because I just remembered that I, I really haven't done that in quite a long time. I feel like there's a lot of value in spending time alone um, and being able to sit in your feelings and and how you are. And that for me is I'm constantly learning to check in with myself and sort of blocking out the external things. You know, I think it's really easy to call your friends and be like, hey, let's catch up for a wine. But you're not really being able to check in with yourself because you're not actually sitting um, with your thoughts and your feelings and sort of evaluating where you're at. Um, that for me is how I grow. I go, well, I'm not feeling a hundred percent at the moment. What is it? What needs to change? Um, and that always, it might, as serious as it is, it actually just makes me feel so much lighter because I'm like, I'm glad I got to the bottom of that. Um, but I also like to do that with my feet in the sand. So I might go to the beach and swim in the ocean or just park a chair up and read a book in the sun. Sounds so simple, but I love it. I think that is why I think there's beauty and simplicity and that's probably why we need it so much because nothing in our lives are simple at the moment. Like everything is multidimensional, multi-connected. There's so many ways to speed up everything that we do and not a lot of ways to encourage us to slow down. And I think why people burn out and why we get so, you know, so much like kind of disalignment Um, in our lives that create anxiety or you know exhaustion or fatigue or chronic illness or whatever it is it's mostly because we don't take that time to be still and I don't mean still necessarily meditating some people find meditating incredibly difficult it's not something they enjoy or that they can make time for but you know it's I kind of think moving meditation is the same as that so that's why I think activities that pull you away from the thinking and let your brain kind of slow down and catch up with itself, whether it's a book, whether it's a swim, whether it's a puzzle or a, you know, whatever it is, if you can't literally sit still, then that's your way of kind of letting your brain sit still for a little while and not be pulled in all these different directions and let it catch up with itself. And that's why it's funny that even if people don't meditate, the people who are surviving incredibly busy lives are only doing it because they do have some kind of activity that lets them catch up with themselves and otherwise you can ignore the signs like that's why I have you know burnt out so many times is because I used to think that adrenaline was real energy and I never kind of stopped long enough to figure out what was real and what wasn't and when you're going so fast you can't feel anything really you're just kind of numb because you're like yeah so yeah I think it's so important to have something that lets you come back to a place of like am I okay like how do I actually feel in between all of the busy and yeah not distracting yourself from how you feel all the time and it's always it is always much easier said than done but it is so important to make sure that you're doing it as uncomfortable as it can sometimes be I mean if you're that person that can't sit on the beach without reaching for your phone to text someone or to scroll through social media you probably need it more than anybody else Absolutely. Like if you can't just sit still for an hour without 
being able to really like check out, then I would highly encourage like setting that side time aside for yourself sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. So you did just mention shift work. So I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who do work on shifts and then find it even more difficult to find kind of healthy routines. How do you manage that in terms of getting enough sleep? Do you have time to work exercise into all of that? You know, how do you fit that in around not being able to predict what time you're working, what day? Um, My roster always comes out well in advance. So I'm lucky in that obviously that's the whole part of me wanting to like create a planner as well because I feel like if I'm planning my days and planning my time I'm much more likely to actually do the things that I'm planning for so if I didn't write down that I'm going to gym at 12 p.m I wouldn't go (laughs) it's as simple as that because I'd find some load of washing to do instead or you know I'm I just distract myself so now it's really important for me to be like, okay, tonight I'm working 2 p.m. till midnight. So I will plan my day around that. So I'm not going to work out at midnight, obviously. So I go to the gym at 12 today. I go to work. I finish at midnight. And I know that I need X amount of hours of sleep or I just don't function. Sleep for me is, I guess, what crack is to a drug addict. <laughs> Um, I've never heard it described that way, but I think that's maybe the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sleep is obviously very important to me. Um, So, yeah, it's just about planning in advance. And I do that all the way down to like what I'm eating. So I'm not thinking about it because my hours are so limited, I suppose, it's so much easier for me to go, right, I've got this in the fridge, I know what I'm cooking, I'm cutting it up or I'm pulling it out of the freezer if I've made things in bulk, which for me as a shift worker is much easier. So I tend to make all of my meals in advance as well. It's just Mm. about time management and really nutting down my days to the the hour basically. But that's a, a system that just works for me. And if it if I didn't have that, my life would be chaotic. It's like that phrase, uh, what is it? You, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Like it's all just yeah. planning in advance and giving yourself the best chance to make good decisions at, at the yeah, right time. I've worked out really quickly. <laughs> I, I can still make time to do things if I'm working a 2 p.m. till midnight shift because I can be awake by, say, 9 a.m., fully awake, and still have time to get things done. But on the shifts that I work where I'm finishing at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, I just, I've taken the guilt off myself. I know I'm not going to be um, productive at all on those days. So I've taken the pressure off and I go, the days that you work night work are the days that you get nothing done canvassed wise. You purely wake up, eat, gym and go straight to work. So I think it's all about accepting as well when you're productive versus when you're not and not guilting yourself about it. Yeah, totally. We really do beat ourselves up a lot about everything oh, all the time, all the time. <laughs> so second last question just to finish up what are the three interesting things about you that don't normally come out in conversation I have a cracker story and do you know what I've actually, I've actually never told I think I've told like three people this story but I just feel like enough time has passed now where I'm I'm so done with being embarrassed about it <laughs> so I'm gonna share it with you so I hope you feel super special I feel so special. (laughs) This is either you're either going to go, oh my God, legend, or (laughs) do you know what? I'm not even going to bother asking the last question. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you know me. I'm going to love it. I'm going to go sick over this. <laughs> when I was at the academy, there was a sergeant there. We had this love-hate relationship. He was. We were always butting heads. And one of the things that you have to do at the academy is the obstacle course. So being the competitive, the overly ridiculously competitive person that I am, there was um, a record for it. Someone had had held a record and we'd, I think before you do it, you have to do a beep test. So he'd said to me at the beginning um, of the, of the year when we started, he said, there's records in place, but you won't, you won't be able to beat them. And I was like, well, challenge accepted. So we did the beep test and I beat the record for that. (gasps) And then the, um, the obstacle course came up and because I went to the um, academy in Townsville and it is so hot in Townsville. You basically <laughs> sweat out everything that you drink. So we'd set up on the day to do the obstacle course and he made a point of saying to me, I don't know why you're bothering. You're not going to beat that. You're not going to beat that record. And I, I was just like lit this fire in my belly and I, I was just like, I don't care what I have to do today. I'm beating that record. <laughs> so it starts off, you have to run, you run 200 meters and then you do all the obstacles and then you finish on the 200 meter run. So oh I've done gosh. the first 200, I've done all the obstacles. I feel like I'm doing well timing wise. And then I have the last 200 meters to go. And I don't know if anyone else who might be listening has been a runner before and you just, you might be flying down that last 200 meters and you just lose absolutely all the feeling in your legs. Like I'm yeah. running, but I actually don't know how I'm running because I can't feel my legs right now. So that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running, I finish and I've, I've beat the record and I'm like, yes, take that sergeant, suck it. Oh my anyway, God, so I've good. sat down, I've like collapsed. I've sat down so sweaty. I looked down <laughs> I had lost all the feeling in my legs to the point where I'd actually pissed myself. <gasps> oh my gosh! That is the I don't know best! I <laughs> but I had run so hard and pushed myself so far that I'd pissed myself and I sat down and I'm like, oh my God, I've got piss all over me. What am I going to do? Someone comes up to me and they're like, do you want to drink of water? I'm like, yes, yes, give me some water. And I basically <laughs> just poured it straight onto my chest and into my crutch to hide the fact that I d- I'm like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. And now I'm just like, no, fuck that. You push yourself so hard that you piss yourself. That's amazing. I cannot <laughs> even tell you how much I love that story. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> going to tell him that obviously no you were like man look how sweaty I am because I work so hard yeah take that oh my god I can't do something gal you got him good he never needs to know about the little incident that happened yeah I showed him didn't I oh well I don't think you need to give me two others because that just wins everything I think you just won the podcast Last question then is what is your favorite motivational quote other than if it's worth it to win, you can pee yourself and it doesn't matter because you won the competition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, there's so many. And that's the reason why I've scattered them all the way through the canvas because I'm all about a good old motivational quote. But 
one of the people that I really look up to and her outlook on life and just her honesty is so refreshing is Emma Carey, a.k.a. the girl who fell from the sky. Yes, Um, For someone who's been through so much in her life and just looks at it from the perspective that she does, I'm, I'm honestly constantly in awe of her. And one of her quotes is, if I can, I must. Such a good one. So simple, but... And I just, yeah, it's so simple, but it's so empowering because when you look at someone like Emma who may not have had the choice at one point in time, it's sort of like a smack in the face and just like, of course I can do that. And if I can, I must because what is life without pushing the boundaries a little bit and pushing yourself to see the best version of you. So yeah, that's probably up there with one of my favorites. Oh, amazing. What an amazing episode. You are just a flipping legend. Thank you so much for reaching out and emailing. I am so, so glad that you did that because this was absolutely wonderful. Um, I can't wait to see what comes next. I am absolutely going to get my hands on a canvas planner and we'll pop links for everyone who's listening so that you can get your own copy because Dateless Yearly Planner is just the best thing I've ever heard of. So yeah, congratulations on everything and thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. I've had so much fun. Oh, me too. This was awesome. You were so amazing. Thank you so much. Such a cool woman. Oh my gosh, what a privilege to connect with so many of you through this wonderful experience. Honestly, filled with so much yay at the moment, I get so excited about creating a community built around all of us finding our yay. So don't forget to join the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes and I'll pop it on socials too. And of course, please screenshot and share this tagging at Canvas Co. So we can see who's listening and what you thought. It's so funny. Emma's not going to be able to get rid of me now. Sometime this weekend, I'm sure I'll be watching Netflix in my Qantas pajamas, eating chow mein, and watching a police show. And I'll be pestering her with questions about crime scene investigations and all that kind of thing. I'm so excited. <laughs> if you're in Melbourne and feel like a catch-up, we're launching our Matcha Milk Bar Fried Chicken Fridays this Friday the 12th for dinner, and are breaking the no reservation policy for Friday nights only. So I would love to see some of you there. Just book in at eat at matchamilkbar.com, which, as like all the email addresses in all. Businesses come straight to me. <laughs> and if you did want to catch up another time, I'm also planning some CZA events uh, for down the track, which is super exciting. So I hope you're having an amazing week and are seizing your yay.